Thank you for tuning in to Roll Call. The movie you selected is Lila and Eve. Welcome to Roll Call, the show where two childless millennials gush over movies and follow an actor's journey from their early years through their blockbuster hits. Because let's face it, we miss blockbuster. Yes, and like our leading ladies in today's movie, blockbuster was a real ride or die back in those days. (laughs) (laughs) Never left our sides. Never. Except one day it did, (laughs) and it was really sad. Hi, I'm Bria, and I'm not sure whether I prefer Ben Affleck taking a drag or Jennifer Lopez taking a little puff puff pass in, well, not the marijuana, but a little cigarette puff in this movie. (laughs) And I'm Simone, and Bria, it's time to get our Tina on. (laughs) That Okay, I'm impressed. That was a good line. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so in today's episode, we'll chat about Jennifer Lopez in the 2015 crime drama Lila and Eve, co-starring the amazing Viola Davis. So let's take a trip back to 2015 again. All right. So I had deja vu because we did The Boy Next Door, which was mm-hmm. in 2015. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. I gotta find shit I didn't talk about. (laughs) It's a challenge, and it's going to be a challenge in the future. We'll probably just repeat a bunch of stuff, and that's how pop culture works. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So, 2015, Pixar emotionally fucks us up. Not again. (laughs) You weren't ready for that hot take? (laughs) Uh, Bitch, fuck me up. (laughs) What they do. Pixar emotionally fucks us up yet again with the animated movie Inside Out. And now let's pour one out for Bing Bong. Oh, I love my Bing Bong. Oh my God. You have. Okay. I have to remember, I need to write a note to put this video like on social media. Because <laughs> how, how perfect is that? He actually smells like cotton candy right in the belly and i am yes me and bria are very much disney adults we're not ashamed of it and when these bing bong plushies came out i think in 2015 it was like they were flying off the shelves and they were only sold at like a particular part of the park in pixar pier and disney's california adventure and um it was like, I remember it was like the end of the day and there was like one more bing bong on the shelf and I looked at it and this other woman looked at it and she looked at me and she just like snatched it. Oh, <laughs> and damn. I've, I've okay, never, Karen. yeah, I've <laughs> never experienced that before. So I just was really patient and really nice and I asked if they were going to have any back out by the end of the day and they said no. So I did what any good person would do, which is make my friends buy one for me the next time they went. (laughs) (laughs) And that is how the Disney finesse works. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're childless millennials, so we'll probably never feel the thrill that, you know, parents across the world felt when things like Cabbage Patch dolls and Furbies were all the rage and they were fighting and Toys R Us. So, (laughs) yeah. 
Maybe maybe as aunties, we'll like, we'll be like for wees, <laughs> we'll be like, Kirk, get this for little Elliot and MJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Pixar emotionally mm-hmm. fucks us up, mm-hmm. and um, oh man, where was I? Kendrick Lamar kind of emotionally fucked me up a little bit with this album, but mm-hmm. in a very, very good way. Um, the album "To Pimp a Butterfly" by Kendrick Lamar is released. Kendrick Lamar wins a Nobel Prize for this. Huh? I think I might be lying. <laughs> um, another kind of controversial, or not. Another, but controversial news, Rachel Dolezal, um, who became known for uh, pretending she was black. So her black card definitely got revoked, ripped to shreds, can't ever piece that thing back together. Oh, okay. I had to look up a picture of her because I wanted to double check and make sure that I was remembering this correctly. That was fucked up. This straight up white woman pretending that she was black god i think she worked for like the naacp or something yeah she did yeah just black fishing at its finest (laughs) and now it's just it's just everywhere uh also in 2015 we were whipping and we were naying to the hottest songs on the block (laughs) now watch me whip now watch me nene watch me whip whip Watch me name there. Watch um, it. Watch it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I remember so, that year that costume was popular for Halloween. It was like a horse mask and like whipped cream. And it was like, watch me whip and Nene. It was really I never, never heard of that. Wow. Well, expect only but the best in middle school, Brianna, because that's what we get. <laughs> Were black kids doing that or was that... No, okay. those are straight white kids too. My that. alarm went off. That, that, <laughs> like black people have, that's like that's some white people shit. Like, <laughs> um, so songs we were probably whipping and naying too were like "Trap Queen" by Young D, um, six seven nine by Fetty Wap. Who? Yes, twenty fifteen was kind of the year that trap like blew up. Yeah. Bitch Better Have My Money by Rihanna. Show me what you owe me. You know, oh my God, Classic Man by Jadina. Oh, I'm I a classic man. So good. Um, But yeah, so 2015, not, not too shabby. I feel like anything pre-2020 at this point is just like, take me back. I don't care. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, totally. Maybe not the Trump years, but no, like pre twenty sixteen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Now I lost my notes. Okay, back, back to where we are. My last pop culture piece is Taraji P Henson, actress extraordinaire, finally gets the flowers she deserves with the role of Cookie Lion on Empire. My girl was everywhere once Empire premiered, and yeah. she's been doing big things ever since. I, of course, knew her from her role in Baby Boy, um, which is a Black classic, always on BET. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I'm going to wrap up with. And movies of 2015. Um, so, fun fact... The Boy Next Door and this mm-hmm. movie came out the same month in 2015. They did. 
But this movie is sort of an indie movie, and it was premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, which is something I still want to go back to. Mm -hmm. So instead of movies that were in the theater, I'm going to do movies that were at Sundance that were recommended. Ooh. So Vulture has a list. Oh, excellent. Oh, this is a fun list. All right, let's go. (laughs) Vulture has a list of the 18 best films from Sundance. In 2015, we have some gems in here, like a movie with Margot Robbie, Mm -hmm. um, Chris Pine, and Chidwell. Oh, my God, his last name. I'm sorry, man. (laughs) I I don't even see it in front of me. But anyways, some bomb-ass movies at Sundance. So, Mm -hmm. The Best of Enemies. Okay. uh, Cartel Land, which I can only imagine. It's probably interesting. Yeah. Um, The D-Train. Okay. Jack Black's in that and James Marsden. Mm-hmm. Diary of a Teenage Girl, which has Kristen Wiig in it and Alexander Skarsgård. Okay. Um, Dope, which I've seen, which was, um, I think Pharrell produced the movie or I'm, he was involved somehow, but um, pretty cool, fun movie, like 90s kids. Mm-hmm. Um, James White. Um, Cynthia Nixon from Sex and the City is in this. Um, The Last Days in the Desert, which is about Jesus in the <laughs> desert with Ewan McGregor. <laughs> is Ewan Jesus? Uh, yes, Ewan McGregor plays Jesus and the wow. devil. What? That's gotta be such like big shoes to fill. <laughs> like you know our. Our guy from Angel Eyes played Jesus in Passion of the Christ. Like, you got to think once you get the role, that's like the weight. And this is coming even from a Jewish person. I just feel like any biblical character you play has to, what a significance. Can you imagine, like, (laughs) if all the people who play Jesus, like, died and they go to heaven, and they're in, and, <laughs> and Jesus, Jesus is there, like not cool. <laughs> you got it all wrong. <laughs> or like, what if there's like one that he's like, oh my god, like I loved your performance, <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. You know, I tried to pull some strings at the Oscars, but you know, I can only do so much. <laughs> oh my god, and we're going to hell. <laughs> Um, there's a documentary about uh, Marlon Brando, which he is narrating, even oh. though he had passed away more than a hmm. decade ago. But it's called Listen to Me, Marlon. So I'm sure that's interesting. Um, me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. That's my kind of movie title. I probably would have wanted to see that. Um, Connie Britton's in here. Hmm. Um, um, Z for Zachariah is the movie that I was talking about that has Chitwatil. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm going to listen to somebody pronounce that right so I can say it right one day. Um, Chris Pine and um, Margot Robbie. Oh, what was the name of it? Z is for Zachariah? Z for Zachariah, yeah. Oh, okay. So this one is like a post-apocalyptic future where Margot Robbie lives on a farm and she thinks she's the last person on earth. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't need to watch that anytime soon. <laughs> and that's all I have. So, on that note, please tell us what this movie made 
for how it was distributed, how people saw it outside of Sundance? Yes, I sure can do that. And I know I'm glad I'm actually really glad you did the Sundance list because shit, I maybe heard of like two of those out of Yeah. that list. And I know that that's like sometimes a sad reality that like films never make it past that. Yeah. Um, so thank you for like schooling me. That sounds like some really good like movies came out and Avenue I kind of want to go watch check this it out. now. But it makes sense that this movie just never really made it past fruition. So it was re it premiered January 30th in the 2015 2015 Sundance. But then it was released very, very limitedly on July 17th, 2015. Um, and then consequently was then released uh, video to video on demand. Um, Mm. and so the total grossing of this movie might surprise you if you haven't seen it already. But I think just because of the fact that it may be premiered in one or two small independent movie theaters, the box office numbers for this are interesting. So the budget of this movie was $4.9 million. We'll call that a, an even cool five. <laughs> um, an opening weekend only grossed <laughs> $21,800. Hmm. And then um, after its total gross with it, uh, limited release through small independent theaters, its total gross was $180,000 estimate. Now, I wasn't able to find the numbers on how many people might have rented it or downloaded it through the video on demand system. But I mean, to not even break a mill just seems or even
Mm-hmm. Missing. And they said they had a good time recording. Or not recording. <laughs> We're recording. <laughs> they had a good time filming even back then. Um, anyways, I'm curious what post-life Lil Raj <laughs> someone on his website had to say about this movie. In a posthumous Little Raj world, um, this is the second review I'm reading from writer Peter Subchinsky. I think Parker was a female writer, or maybe Boy Next Door was a female. No, Boy Next Door is a female writer. I think Parker was Peter Subchinsky um, because the writing of it seems really familiar. But this uh, reader gives Lila and Eve one star damn yeah i know um he <laughs> i was kind of holding my breath to you i was <laughs> i know i was really surprised too and i know we'll, we'll we have a bit to discuss just about overall how we like this movie but peter sipchinski says lila and eve is the latest in a long line of films about ordinary people whose loved ones who, lo- who lose loved ones to horrible acts of violence and who take the law into their own hands when the justice system fails them, a subgenre broad enough to include in the likes of Death Wish and In the Bedroom. Those two films in particular took the premise seriously and thoughtfully and elevated them above such ugly and disbased crypto-fascist revenge porn fantasies. Lila and Eve doesn't hesitate for a moment before heading down the latter path thanks to a screenplay by newcomer Pat Gilfillan that constantly seesaws between the stupid and the sickening as our heroines stalk and dispose of their prey with startling ease. (laughs) The moves have been depicted by director Charles Stone III in the most passionless manner imaginable. Even though this was always intended to be a theatrical release, his approach to the material is as blandly formulaic as the weakest offerings on the tube. Instead of rage and emotional confusion, this material should inspire in viewers. They will mostly be veering between bad laughs and utter boredom. Damn. Okay. (laughs) I was like... Wow, he really took he really took this review there. And this is one that like every now and again I'll read through even if I disagree with the rating, I might find something that I can generally agree with about their rating, like if they say something like to explain their reasoning and their writing, but I personally can't find anything that I really agree much with this reviewer. Yeah, um I can't. And you know what's funny is that I missing a little Raj, but I'm realizing how good he was at his job. Like, there's a reason why, like, yeah, Ebert and Roper were like, this isn't it. Like, even for our unfinished life promo for the the TV spot is like one of the quotes of like Ebert and Roper give this one, mm-hmm. you know, and. The way he wrote reviews was, like, he could be harsh about a movie or be like, you know, this wasn't that great. There's been better things. But, like, he wasn't, like, disrespectful or rude about it. Yeah. This review is just, like, unnecessary mean words. Agreed. Agreed. And he goes on to say a little bit more specifically about 
Viola Davis and Jennifer Lopez in particular. He says, despite the film being simply awful through and through, the usually excellent Viola Davis does her damnedest to make something of her character, and while not even her undeniable gifts make anything of it, it's oddly inspiring to see her at least making the effort. Lopez, on the other hand, coasts through in a particularly lack, lack, I can't read this word. Lackluster? Lack, no, it's lackadaisical. La yeah, lackadaisical. <laughs> Learn me something. Particularly lackadaisical manner that only partially explained by later revelations about her character. Students of film history will note that this is the second time Davis and Lopez have appeared together in a movie, hence out of sight. Needless to say, if you only see one Davis-Lopez joint this weekend, make it that one and let Lila and Eve on its way to a permanent birth as a classic cable staple. Or sorry, basic cable staple. Okay, well that part I can agree with, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Out I mean, of sight is the better of the two. For sure, but you didn't have to be... <laughs> I wouldn't call this movie basic cable either. I mean, sure, it's produced by Lifetime Films, and it does kind of read like a Lifetime, but to me, there's more there than just, like, a basic cable movie. Well, I mean, since we disagree, I think this is a great time to, you know, shit all over Peter's words and <laughs> give our own opinions. <laughs> And not even give him more airtime on our fucking podcast. So. I agree. I agree, Bria. So, Simone, what did you think about Lila and Eve? How many pumps and butter would you give this movie? I would give this a good solid two and a half. It wouldn't be a full three only because I felt like there could have been more suspense um, and with a budget of 4.9 mil or a cool five, you know, it was definitely spent on a lot on that ending explosion for sure. Not but, really, because that was some mm, CGI. <laughs> yeah, or maybe it was spent on Davis and Lopez, who knows, but even though they like co-produced the film. But I, uh, I felt like there was enough there that it could have been a little bit more suspenseful and... It is predictable. You know what? I I don't think it's predictable. But I agree with your two and a half. And I think I agreed with Peter about Viola until he started shitting on our girl Jennifer Lopez. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think she was passive in this role at all. I think it was just like an underdeveloped character. Yes. Which, again, we have said many times, you know, an actor can only do so much with mm -hmm. what is written on the page so i think this probably suffers from the script more than anything mm -hmm. um but i think you know that man i just his review is just like rubbing me i know there's something the like there's that so doesn't much quite taste about right. this movie that i want to talk about that like it has so much potential you know and mm -hmm. i just don't think that it like I think it could have been fine as an indie movie. Like it doesn't need a huge budget, but mm -hmm. I do think it needed some soul in mm -hmm. it. And um, we'll talk about that. But yeah, mm -hmm. two and a half pumps for me. Okay. Um, do we want to do cocktails and snacks now, or you know, I'll be a straight up honest with this one. I can think of a 
of a well because like yeah they made dinner maybe once um or like they went out to lunch or they They had spaghetti. had they had spaghetti but yeah oh no no it would be lemon squares My snack would be lemon squares because there was a mother in the grief counseling that kept talking about lemon bars and lemon squares. I don't How remember she was like that. famous for making them. She like brought it up every scene she was in. Um, so lemon squares would be my snack, but then my cocktail, maybe just a stiff glass of red wine. Yeah, Because sometimes Viola that's, poured a nice glass of red wine in there. yeah. That was good. I'm going to say the spaghetti. Okay, It looked mom's very spaghetti. generic, but mom's spaghetti, <laughs> never go wrong, right? <laughs> or church spaghetti. Church spaghetti is like a whole nother Ooh, thing. side note, what's magical about church spaghetti? <laughs> some some old lady made it, probably. <laughs> Oh. no, church spaghetti is not really that great. It's like really greasy. <laughs> but it does have like a very unique uh feel with it especially with a bagged side salad with some ranch like and some cold chicken wings like or i know you're a vegetarian but like it's see the plate that i'm describing black people will know like it's giving very much like repass after a funeral it's giving very much like after you know some kind of praise dance uh special worship or something like Okay. that We've just, I've just never seen spaghetti at like at a temple function before, unless it was someone's bar mitzvah and they were having it catered at like another restaurant, but that's super rare. I've just Yeah. never seen spaghetti. Yeah, church spaghetti too is like it's usually like uh meat sauce. Not Mm hmm. very saucy, that's why I said it it's pretty greasy. Like Mm. there's some little nibs of whatever beef, turkey, ground turkey. Um and it has a faint hint of tomato because there's not much sauce. Um Mm hmm got it it's usually the noodles <laughs> are really short. like and okay chopped up you know gotta make it stretched <laughs> you know go get the most noodles you can <laughs> out of it um because you're cooking for a lot of a lot of church folk okay um uh, but <laughs> um is it served in a crock pot or like a like a big cast iron tupperware nothing nothing that nice it's served in probably a disposable um aluminum pan Oh, that <laughs> okay, better. That's better. That's better. Yeah, yeah. That You can at throw the end that of shit the night, in the oven. someone's like, Charlene, you want to take the rest of the spaghetti? Like, okay, I'm throw you some chicken wings on the other side, and you want some of this salad? Like, <laughs> Okay, some okay. of these rolls, too? I'll put some. Like, yeah, no one's bringing nice dishes anywhere. <laughs> I never noticed that about black people. Yeah, you never really bring anything. Like, if you're bringing something to a function, you're not putting it in, like, your nice tableware or, like, dish You're bringing that shit in something that you'd be like, you keep that and throw it away or whatever. Like, I'm out. <laughs> so, Hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, anyways, Today maybe, I learned. maybe we'll stick church spaghetti at the end of the <laughs> episode. <laughs> um, okay, anyways, let's talk about, let's talk about the trailer. I feel like it's your standard run-of-the-mill trailer. Um, yeah. it Kind of gave away some stuff, but, um, It did, but not the major, like, big twist of the no. movie. 
Yeah, no, it did not. But, but I could definitely feel, like, the way I described this movie to Leah, my sister, when she asked, was just, like, this is, like, a ride-or-die film, but, like, a lifetime version of just mom seeking revenge. And I... I, that's like the vibes that I felt watching this was like yeah. two women supporting each other through their grief and possibly getting themselves into trouble and like what happens next kind of thing. Yeah, which was not what I was expecting from this movie. I don't know why I thought this was a heist movie. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been cool if it was. Yeah, like I no clear. I think it's that other movie, Viola Davis was in that's mm. a heist movie that I was like is this that one but it's not mm. but yeah I was like oh shit I was not expecting that this is what this was about so mm. <laughs> um yeah so besides the trailer um is this a movie that you would have tried to see in theaters or maybe been like hmm, that might be a rental or a red box night like, like sadly no I don't think this would be something I would see in the theater but like if my if I was living at home and my parents had rented it from like Redbox and maybe I'd sit down and give it a shot because I do you're not even renting it parents is renting it. <laughs> I know I'm sorry because I do of course thanks to this podcast Jennifer Lopez is now very much on my radar and we follow her and we will follow her blindly forever. But Viola Davis was someone who's always kind of on my radar. Um, and I, so like if they had advertised it, like, oh, it's a Viola Davis movie, I'd be like, oh, okay. Like I might sit down and watch it for that. Yeah, I, this would have been neither. This probably would have been a movie maybe my mom was watching and I'd be like, what, what's this? And then like maybe I'll sit down for a few minutes and be like, hmm. That's kind of cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> and then leave. <laughs> um, but, I mean, having watched the movie, like, if I saw this on TV, I'd probably watch it. Like, yeah. having already watched it, I'd be like, oh, why would it be on? Like, mm-hmm. I'll watch it. Um, is there anything from interviews that we want to talk about? I don't know. I just thought that they asked kind of the same generic questions. What was it like working with so-and-so? And, you know, yeah. what drew you to this film? I think their chemistry between the two of them, between Viola Davis and J-Lo, kind of show enough that it looks like they had a really good time making this movie. And the times where they weren't out for vengeance and it was like just the two of them, it just felt like a real natural friendship that maybe the two of them had. Like the way that their dialogue came across to me wasn't so much like acting. It just sounded more of just like some conversation that two friends would have. Yeah. So and I, I could kind of get that sense from the uh from the interviews as well. Yeah. Um from the interviews what I got um was Viola Davis talked or someone asked her what makes this movie and role different. And she's like me. <laughs> Which I was like A plus, but um, the I think I don't know I forget who it was. It's not the director, is it the writer? Yeah, the writer Pat Gillifillen. I hope that I said that right. Mm-hmm. Um, said that you know it's important to see big names like these two in a movie in roles like this, and um, I think too a big part of getting them 
in this movie was to try to draw people into the movie because you have Viola Davis and Jennifer Lopez. Mm -hmm. But, like, I never saw anything advertising this movie or something. Like, Like I said, in 2021, if they were in a movie together, I'd be like, oh, shit. Like, that looks interesting. Um, 2015, again, Jennifer Lopez wasn't on my radar. I think Viola Davis probably was because she was, like, on the up and up. But this wasn't on my radar at all. So I feel like they fumbled that. They had a mm-hmm. good intention in ter- terms of getting two amazing big names, but didn't really do what they thought it would do. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think it was interesting that Viola Davis talked about like how it's kind of it's kind of different a revenge story of a woman compared mm-hmm. to like a man. Like, mm-hmm. think of something like Taken with Liam Neeson. Yeah. And this. And, like, there's a different layer to this because she's a woman. Like, yeah. Like, not so much just, like, anger and testosterone and, like, I gotta avenge my family. Like, yeah. Um, and the twist in the movie, I think, is that extra layer that um, that – that is kind of indicative of like a mother's experience of having yeah. grieve and maybe seek justice and vengeance. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Also, like, I feel like they don't make a lot of revenge movies with women. So, and I feel like we're good at revenge. So <laughs> they should work on that genre. It's a lot more methodical. I think, well, okay. And this kind of goes back to the writer or the reviewer, um, Peter Sipchinski, but like in such a male dominated lens, men don't go to see those movies. And then, but men are typically the ones who are writing about and reviewing about those movies. Yeah. And so that's when he brings up that term of like revenge porn because it's this like someone who's dead set out on a quest to get vengeance for whatever wrongdoing it was. And you're right, that is more of a male-dominated role. But, like, God forbid when a woman does it, if they're seeking revenge on a man for a wrongdoing, um, then it's like, ooh, hold hold on to your penis, boy. She's out for blood. Like, everyone gets (laughs) so up in a tizzy about it. And it's like... I feel like, unfortunately, I I think as women, we appreciate those movies. I think, unfortunately, revenge movies, whether it's from a female or male perspective, have different standards to them, and that is fucked up. You know what's funny, though, is that, like, male revenge movies are never, like... I don't think I can think of one. There probably is one, but I can't think of one that is like a man getting revenge on a woman, like doing something to him. Well, that's just like calling. That's just serial killer shit. <laughs> that's like a woman women rejecting don't even a have man. To do anything? I know, so. I know. But in a in a sociopath's mind, that's revenge. Yeah, you know. Or the boy next door. Would you consider that a male revenge movie because he? rejected her advance well sorry he wanted to progress their relationship she said no it was a mistake he kind of sets on revenge what do you think about that see this is the problem is that like the things men get upset about 
are not as drastic as the shit women get upset about. Right. Like, being upset about not sleeping with someone versus being upset about the murder of your child are two yes. very different things. Like, I'm saying, like, pound for pound, let's switch this to being two dudes whose kid got killed and some women killed their child. And they were like, we gonna kill these bitches. Like... There's no movies like that. Like, mm. oh, okay, I see that. Yeah, like, and I don't know that I necessarily want to see it, but I'm just saying, like <laughs> that that weird, like that double standard, like the things that, like the things that a girl would kick somebody in the balls for, versus what a boy would punch a girl in the tit for. It's totally different. Kind of totally like, different. A, a boy will punch you in the tit because. You're going he back wants and to forth. touch your titty. <laughs> you're going back and forth, and you're like, "Well, your mom's a bitch," and like, it's like we're fighting. What do you want me to say? Mm-hmm. But like, a girl would only stoop to those levels if she was being threatened in some kind of fearful way. And mm-hmm. like, there's nothing. I feel like a woman. Okay, not nothing, but there are very extremes where a woman just violently does something to a man. For no fucking reason. Right. Like, because we're afraid of them. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> unless, unless they're just, like, in an abusive-ass relationship and they know that they can punk that dude, then mm-hmm. it's not really just going to happen to some random dude. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I think this is a good point to summarize the movie, and I think you should do it. Okay. All right. Here we go. So, Lila and Eve. Viola Davis plays a character named Lila, a single mother in Atlanta whose world is shattered when her older son, Stefan, is killed when he gets caught in the crossfire of a drive-by shooting. Barely able to take care of herself, let alone her younger son, Justin, and with the police seemingly uninterested in getting to the bottom of what appears to be just another random shooting, Lila is at wit's end until she joins a support group for other mothers whose children have also been murdered. It is here where she meets the mysterious Eve, played by Jennifer Lopez, a fellow group member who sits off to the side without ever participating and stalks off whenever she feels like it without anyone noticing or seems less interested in moving on than in having her loss avenged by any means necessary. Naturally, Lila chooses her Eve to be her sponsor and one night while engaging in some therapeutic home redecorating because after all folks this is a lifetime movie they find a gun in Justin's book bag a discovery that horrifies Lila but inspires Eve to suggest that they go out to look for someone with information regards in regarding Stefan's killing Will the two successfully seek revenge on the murders of their children? Is Eve all who she is chalked up to be? And why is she someone who has some kind of a mysterious cloud surrounding her? You will just... (laughs) Oh, so much cigarette smoke. Just, sorry, thank you. And she is someone who is constantly surrounded by a shroud of mystery, a.k.a. cigarette smoke. (laughs) You are going to have to find out the twist yourself if you watch Lila and Eve or if you listen to the rest of this episode. Spoilers ahead. Duh. Did you write that? 
No, I didn't. <laughs> that is someone else's writing. <laughs> I was like, that's really good. <laughs> All right. So at this point, let's talk about the cast and these lovely ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, my first note is about Viola Davis. And I was like, this isn't her wheelhouse. She does pain and like hurt yes, very she well. Does. Like, uh-huh. so I was like thrown off because I thought this was a fucking heist movie. <laughs> And and then I'm like, oh shit, this seems serious. So <laughs> caught me off guard. But I was like, I'm not saying it's easy, but like you know, her bag in this department is pretty deep and full. So agreed, agreed. And then a fun fact: her husband plays the role of her like love interest neighbor dude. No way. Yes. That is As Ben Julius Tenen? Yes. Really? Oh, that's so interesting. And so they co-produced this Aww. movie together. But I thought I thought that was, I was like, damn, that's her husband in real life. Like what? Oh my um, gosh, how sweet. Yeah, and then I mean, it's really mostly Lila and Eve in this movie, but mm-hmm. I mean, I thought her son was pretty both her sons were pretty, like, you know interesting um mm-hmm. her younger son justin I, played by ron caldwell i thought kind of reminded me of like lebron's son <laughs> for some reason mm-hmm. um and then yolanda ross plays patrice um another mom in this grief group mm-hmm. and it's very interesting because she's on this show called the shy and mm-hmm. she's not in a grief group but there is a grief group on the shy so it's like wow this is it isn't far off from that and then you have michelle brianna white who i've Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure i've seen her in some other stuff yolanda ross her character patrice she was the one with the lemon bars and the lemon squares how did i miss that i don't know smh oh also andre royo who was in the wire Mm -hmm. you ever watch the wire so i couldn't I, I did not have a full Leo moment. I was just like, he looks familiar. But I it was like, I was not pressed enough to figure it out. But because yes. his detective character irritated my soul. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but they should have given those people less dialogue and more yes. like exposition for the other characters. Totally. It was, too, it was too like too much cop banter that it was like smacking you over the head. And it wasn't even like good cop banter, which yeah. is interesting because The Wire is such a good show mm-hmm. about like cop shit. So, like, I feel sorry that he had to say some of that stuff. That <laughs> was just like, sh- shut the fuck up. Like, yes. <laughs> and it felt insensitive. And I think that was helpful because that's kind of the premise of the movie is that the cops aren't doing enough about yeah. her son's murder mm-hmm. and so some of their dialogue i was just like there are dead people there's a crime scene can you like be like have some fucking respect like yeah. these are people too like i know in movies we make them out to be like criminals or bound people that doesn't mean that they weren't like humans before that yeah well so so let's talk more so about Viola Davis now mm-hmm. since she is our main protagonist and a mm-hmm. heavy hitter in this movie. What do you think of her performance, unlike Mr. Peter? <laughs> little, Pete. Um, little Pete. Little small Pete energy. <laughs> little piccolo Pete. <sighs> Anyways, <laughs> sorry. I'm just, like, I'm just fired up today in general, but um, here we go. I thought 
I mean, Viola Davis can, I think I've said this about a few other people, she can act her way out of a paper bag. She's just, <laughs> she can take a script, she can take a low budget film or something a little bit more indie and still like give it a shot and still come across as like top notch and put together. Um, of course, there were parts about the story or about the movie, like if it was a little bit longer, could have been her character could have, you know, been a little bit more polished and neat. But I think overall, her her acting was great. Yeah, I mean, I can't say much more than that. But like, I, I just wish that this character had a little more like that. We could cut some of that cop shit and explore right. her character more or even like like some of the well I don't want to say some of the stuff with her younger son but I don't know I just feel like for what emotionally she went through and okay here's the cat out of the bag is that she is in such a depressive state that she pretty much imagines and makes up Eve she makes up this persona of this person of revenge because yeah. in this grief support group, and I think they say the th same line in like Alcoholics Anonymous, not from that I know from experience, but just because I know like <laughs> shows that I've watched that's yeah. had it of like, I, I accept the things I can't control and I will try. Oh, hold on. What's the, I'm going to look it up. It's like, I know what you're trying to say, but I don't know the quote. Okay, Except yeah. Except the things I can change. Change, and... yeah, yeah, yeah. It says, God grant me the serenity yeah. to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that's the whole premise behind um, this support counseling group that Eve uh, or sorry, that Lila ends up going to. Um, but already knowing that like, not hate, well, yeah, hate is in her heart and revenge is on the back of her mind. Um, and so Eve stands for everything that's like truly what Lila is thinking and feeling, but still feels like she has to go through the grief counseling as like going through the motions of things. I don't know. Anyways, yes, cat's out of the bag on this one. J-Lo isn't real. She's in her head. <laughs> Which like, I was like, oh, me. And I'm, oh, me. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gee, she's a fucking ghost. <laughs> like that. Mm -hmm. I was like, <gasps> um, gas. Dude, I wish I kind of had a little badass guardian angel J-Lo behind me smoking a cigarette. <laughs> like, if like you know if a kid if a student is pestering me and bothering me i could see j-lo being there in she's the back gonna get you like, fired i know okay. she's <laughs> this is gonna happen she'd be like you know what you should do <laughs> you should kick that kid the balls <laughs> they're like take it take his phone take his phone yeah take it smash it smash it <laughs> Drop it. Oops. Oops. It slipped. My bad. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, that would be uh, fun. Now, this character of Eve would be bad. Now, the real Jennifer Lopez, I feel like, might be a little a little more motivational. Like Oh no. Yeah, she'd be like 
Smell and pick your feet up. Pick your feet. <laughs> pick that piccolo peat up and fucking <laughs> smack him on the ground. Okay, she would say smell. <laughs> she say Simone, pick your feet up. Dust off your shoulder. Refresh with some blockbuster hit cream. And move on with your life. Spritz a bit of J-Lo glow. Not you putting an ad in for J-Lo. <laughs> through fake J-Lo in your mind. <laughs> like, um, but I've seen a lot of very motivational kind of stuff on her J-Lo beauty stuff. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, I think I think she'd be like more encouraging. But um, on that note, let's talk about her her role as Eve. Um, I was I was thoroughly surprised. I was not expecting that. Yeah, and the twist, the or twist just like her was, performance. Her well, not necessarily her performance. At this point, like I think performance wise, we're pretty like you know Jill's a good actress. Like she mm-hmm. hasn't really acted badly in a movie. She's been in some bad movies. But she hasn't acted poorly. All right, I agree. Um, whereas I can say, like, Ben Affleck acted poorly in Geely. Like, <laughs> it wasn't his best work. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like... All right, you're getting gangster gangster on it, his, Bria. All his right. performance was cringier than hers. Like, it was. Well, because so... she's just so sexy. Anyways. Yeah, but... <laughs> But so, um, not so much the performance, but like the character. I wasn't expecting her to play that character. And then um, it kind of was like, oh. And again, like it's a movie or a character that I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, yeah, I could see why she picked. Like her romantic comedies, I'm always like, yeah, we know you love romantic comedies. So it makes sense why you did this movie. But like this movie, I'm like, it's interesting why she would choose to do this movie. Like. So, and I think her choosing to do a movie like this, like, she doesn't get enough credit in that regard in terms of her career because she wasn't even the first choice, again, for this fucking role. (laughs) (laughs) Like, um, fuck, who was it? I forget. But I I watched, uh, who who was the first choice? Hmm. I forget who who it was, but I watched an interview with the director, Charles Stone, and he was talking about Jennifer, and he himself was like, you know, I had never, like, I didn't even think about Jennifer Lopez for this role, like, just based on what she's done before and stuff. Like, this isn't something I was like, you know, be good in this, like, and I was like, I could see that. I get it. She is, like, somebody you think of as like a romantic comedy person maybe mm-hmm. sexy and then you know oh yeah she played the hell out of selena mm-hmm. but um movies like a border town or unfinished life mm-hmm. or um you know some of those smaller kind of indie movies you turn get forgotten about and those yeah. are the movies she's known for so of course like oh charlie's charlie Saren. Yes. Was the first choice. Yes. Okay. Already committed to another movie, Dark Places, in 2015. Yes. I totally saw that and forgot it. But so, again, she kind of lucked into this role. And I think she really pursued this. He was like, you know, she read the script and she's very interested. And she had like a lot of stuff to say to kind of like make like 
share her thoughts and they were good thoughts and so you know it just wound up working out so um he said quoted that they had a very spirited meeting that made her think twice and um obviously her presence is a great marketing power so that was you know another bonus of having someone of her name even charlie Theron probably would have been the same route versus like someone nobody knows who they are um but i thought like i really liked that he was like you know we had a very spirited meeting which means to me that it seems like j-lo was very passionate about doing this and very interested in telling Mm -hmm. this story Mm -hmm. which i think says more about her than most people would ever think to give her credit for Mm -hmm. because this is a movie about a black mom who lost her son to gun violence and is getting revenge and who knew that jenny from the block would want to do a movie like that hell yeah but yeah, I liked her performance. Um, I wasn't expecting it for from her. And then I didn't realize that this was 2015 when I watched it. So the fact that she played in The Boy Next Door, she's like uber fucking hot teacher. Yeah. Hot mom next door. And then in this, she's kind of a little She's bit... homely. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's the right word to say. She's just disheveled. She's a bit um down on her luck smokes a pack of cigarettes like yeah her hair is kind of ruffled or like shoved in a beanie poorly dyed (laughs) yeah god that wig Um, (laughs) reflected a a bad dye job but then yeah would usually wear just like very casual like athleisurely kind of clothes not even that that ugly fucking jacket she's like one of those people who only has like one jacket or like two but Mm -hmm. and and sorry if you're one of those people we're not all fortunate to have wardrobes like the real jennifer lopez but (laughs) like just in a characterization of the character like this type of woman Mm -hmm. that she's portraying and i was thoroughly impressed as i always am when anybody's able to make j-lo look kind of average (laughs) like yep yeah, and I think this is the best one so far. Agreed, because I think in an unfinished life they tried to make her look just more like farmy and ranch and like country like cutie. Like... Yeah, yeah, but not so much like down on her luck. Like I mean, obviously they did make up with like bruises and stuff. Um and maybe we might have seen a little bit of like grit or no makeup kind of looks in some of her earlier like maybe nurses on the line but again she was like she's a lot younger and looked a little different like baby face yes and so there's something about this where i kind of looked really hard at the tv and was like i know they never like they rarely ever just send actors and actresses without any makeup on because there's certain things that your skin picks up with your lighting and the camera Mm -hmm. and your scene and stuff like that but in some points, it truly looked like she wasn't wearing any makeup, which that's not to say that she's ugly because JLo hops on her Instagram all the time to do like a little skincare routine. And she is often like fresh face, no makeup. And I'm like, God damn it. But there was just something about this that looked like, oh, I haven't washed my face in like three days. Like she just looked gritty. Yes, she did. <laughs> she looked a bit gritty and a little gracie. Um, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and she was mad a lot. Like she was she very was. She's approachable, pissy. you know. So I think that added it. Added it. <laughs> I think that added to it. And I think too that um, she looked. She looked worn. You know, she looked like mm. a mom who had been through some shit. Like whose mm-hmm. kid went missing and nothing happened, and she's still fucking mad about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I liked it. Um, I liked her smoking. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and then at some point, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> at some point, I spotted a Netflix envelope. But <laughs> um, at some point, I wrote that she's a bit unhinged. I like this. It's different. And mm-hmm. I think it was like when they shot the dude in the parking lot. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Like, they're like legit. And she just did that shit. And then yeah. she was like, I did it and what like come on let's get this shit and like let's go figure some shit out and yeah no no time to freak out about it let's go yeah then that I was not prepared for so (laughs) um oh and then there's a part where they um are trying to go to this club that they figure out that you know to try to get some more information and so they dress up and get ready and they're taking selfies in the bathroom and god like, what i wouldn't give to be the little like <laughs> lipstick tube just like watching <laughs> them enjoy um but that scene i thought too was great in terms of how jayla looked because they could have easily glammed her up but she mm-hmm. looked very much like a mom going out on the yes yeah she did yeah i mean like she looked great in the dress but she definitely looked like this is my one going outfit (laughs) going out outfit and and then throw on some nice blue eyeshadow (laughs) ugly fingerless leather gloves that (laughs) like like one accessory too far (laughs) like yes yeah um and then i i really noticed too though that when they were taking the selfies that the bitch can't turn off that she knows her angles like yeah yeah she was serving was (laughs) even yeah even in acting she was like okay i know i'm supposed to like act to take a selfie but she's actually gonna take these pictures so i want to (laughs) look but yeah which later as we know jayla's character is not real so later that's another part of uh lila's revelation that she kind of conjured up this person is going back through those photos and no one else is there but her and i was like oh shit like she's in a psychosis like i don't know all these words that (laughs) probably like me trying to diagnose her have no clue um so should we talk a little bit more about like plot like what we liked what we didn't like what we thought could have been better would have made this better yeah let's go for it i think overall for my my biggest issue was with this movie was how easy it was for the plot to happen it just there were a lot of things that just happened really naturally that seemed like it would have taken a really long time to get to that point or so like for example lila and eve go out to find the first person who they think they can be in contact with um, to find out more information about Stefan shooting. And then that conversation escalates and Lila takes the gun that was in Justin's book bag and shoots him. Although the movie makes it look like Eve shot him, but yeah. obviously we know it's Lila. But 
he was dead and it was very easy for them to just like take his stuff and leave and flee the scene and then when they do it again at the like top of the roof parking lot Mm -hmm. they kill two people three and injure i think they injure the other person right i thought he was dead too the one that fell off the roof yeah oh shit he was dead too die okay so three people so now their total body counts four and then they kill that other person that they meet after that they kind of like stalk at the club and then also hurt his wife and so i don't know that just seems like it was very easy for them to get there do like commit the crime flee the scene and eventually the lead detective what was his character's name? Flanagan. <laughs> Whatever. The lead detective who was in charge of her son's case. Um, detective, detective Holliston. Holliston, yeah. Shay Wiggingham. But yeah, Detective Holliston, who was in charge of her son's case, is now also on the homicide department of these other cases does start to kind of put two and two together. But again, spoiler alert, by the end of the movie, he goes and meets her and finds Lila at her grief counseling and starts the conversation of like, hey, I think you should come in downtown. We're going to ask you for like a few questions because he was kind of on to her. And Lila's mother support group steps in and goes, oh, but I was with her and I was, you know, I can, you know, vouch for her that she was with me and doing this and that. And the detective just goes, an alibi full of, or like a room full of grieving mothers, what an alibi. And then just like steps up and walks away. So it just, I don't know what I would have liked if I would have wanted her to get away with it or... For her to have been found out and also discover her mental illness and her grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see this like ending scene maybe where she's in a women's prison and she's saying that same thing of about I can accept the things I cannot change kind of mm-hmm. thing. You know what I mean? I don't know. Just some kind of a little bit of a different wrap up. But Besides that, I didn't have too much issue about this movie. It just seemed easy for them to commit crimes and for them to get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, one one thing I noted, I was like, what is their plan? And I feel like that's <laughs> the big flaw, too, is that there's no, like, we're along for this ride with her and Eve and her imagination. But we don't have a sense of, like, what our purpose is for a while. It's like, what are they doing? Like, why? Mm-hmm. Um because at, at first I was like, are we trying to help find the, the whoever took Eve's daughter? Or like, okay, wait, we're avenging Lila's son's murder. Okay. Yeah. And, and as Eve tr- is getting some kind of closure through it. Yeah. Yeah. And as a true crime person, I'm, of course, like, you could never just do that. Somebody would have saw your car. Somebody <laughs> would have saw y'all in the parking lot talking to him. Like, they, yeah. there were witnesses available. Okay. It's just sloppy. Sloppy. Yeah. And I feel like, too, 
like you said, like it happened too easy and they just kind of hopped from like, okay, now we know this person was involved. Now we know this person was involved. And I think they should have showed some of that research. Like they should have showed them going through his phone and figuring shit out and piecing stuff together. Because I think that's a big part of these type of movies. Yeah, it's like sleuthing piece. Yeah, it's like, oh shit, okay, like that's how they figure that out. And essentially they did all of the work that her detectives should have done in like three days worth of time. So it would have been really great to have seen their process through that. Yes, you took the words literally out of my mouth. Because I was going to (laughs) say, and like it just goes to show how little effort the police were putting in because Mm -hmm. they were able to figure all this kind of stuff out. So, well, I don't want to say easily because the police can't just like take take his phone. But yeah, they need you know, a proper warrant. But they could have, you know, at least figured out that he was somewhat connected to right. it and stuff right. like that. And like the other kid who got shot, like realized he was a fucking dealer and who he was dealing for and stuff. But mm-hmm. anyways, um, it's hard with those kinds of things because it's like those people are like the smaller fish and they usually want like the big distributor person Mm. and they're like "Uh, it's not really worth us going after like this one little corner dealer because there's just gonna be another one just like there was another one when they went to like scope stuff out there like there's already someone back here Mm -hmm. doing drugs like it never happened um so like those are my problems with the movie I don't think their performances were bad. I just think they didn't have that much to work with. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this would be a good candidate for a movie to be remade. Oh, for sure. Keep them and just give them some good material to work with. Some like Mm -hmm. really deep gut-wrenching stuff. Like if we saw more like glimpses of Lila's depression and mental illness like we Mm -hmm. saw like the pills and like stuff like that but there wasn't like this kind of weird like something's happening and i think that would have really helped in a movie like this like i love movies like that like we're like yo what's happening like something's off yeah you get that twist of like eve being made up you're like oh my god like i knew something was weird and there were those moments there they just weren't like I feel like they weren't well done or they weren't highlighted enough. Like They were very brushed up upon. And yeah. someone could easily say, oh, well, that's just the writing trying to be mysterious or to lead you on. But by the time that that twist was revealed when, uh, when Lila was going through her phone to show her boyfriend husband next door of like, <laughs> oh, this was me. Like, this is me and Eve when we were going out. But then it's just her and you're like, oh shit like but it it just happened a little abruptly so i agree that if they had lingered on her depressive state more and honing in maybe on the specific kinds of medication she was taking and i got the um i knew what the twist was when it was the part Um, at grief counseling where Patrice, Yolanda Ross's character, 
was like, oh, my son's coming home. Like, I'm going to prepare the house because he's getting ready to come home. And she relates it back to this like biblical verse and this explanation of Jesus rising and coming back. And Viola looks over at the gal who runs the grief support counseling. She's like, yeah, she get like, it's the anniversary of her son's death. Like we all get like this sometimes and we just know to like really support one another. And I was like, oh, that's her problem. Like she crazy too. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get it until, um, they were like, oh, is, are you calling, like, when they went to dinner? Oh, and yeah. And they're like, like oh, you... I don't know Eve. Like, is she the new gal? Yeah. And she's like, no, she's from, and then she, like, pauses. And then I was like, oh, she, she's not real. And then, like, the, because in the beginning when she's at the meeting and Eve's, like, off to the side and kind mm-hmm. of huffy and then she leaves and then they go outside. It was weird to me that Lila was talking to her after her just like bouncing like i thought she would have left left you know yeah and then also lila wasn't very she wasn't sharing a lot in that group which understandable is like her first one i think yeah but um it was weird to me that she would go outside and immediately like open up to a huffy stranger that just left the group. yeah to have a little bit more build up of their relationship like if she goes back to the second one and she sees eve and like eve is sitting outside and she's like hey how come you don't say much blah 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 and then they it happens a little bit more naturally because you're right it seemed like she gives out a lot of information and then she's like oh hey like i'm supposed to have a sponsor why don't you be my sponsor it's like happens very quickly yeah, there could have been, like, more buildup or, like, mysteriousness there where it's, like, who's this lady that I keep, like, seeing? But, you know, she doesn't talk or she's not, like, within the circle. Like, um, but, yeah, like, those things are things that are beyond actors' control. So um, I do want to point out that um, I was really, after I watched the interview with Charles Stone III, I was really, like, kind of like impressed and was like mm-hmm. daddy mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he has a very interesting resume and story as well and i just want to say peter i don't think his directing was that bad okay there's nothing about his directing that i was like oh this is shitty like these are some <laughs> shitty ass choices um um just a few fun facts he directed and created the was Budweiser commercial. No fucking way. Yes. That what? was like a what? short film. <laughs> what? That was a short film that he did like because also fun facts. He was a like he was doing music videos and he wanted to do movies. So he was like, you know, I should make something so that, you know, yeah. when I'm in these rooms and stuff like oh i made this so the was up commercial came from a short film he made but um he directed videos for the roots for tribe called quest he directed the benita applebaum movie um he directed some other to me black classic movies like paid in full and drumline he did the tlc movie on mtv like he's not a he's not a director to just blink at and be like "Mm, okay it's all right like the tlc movie is a good little tv biopic in my opinion what else was i saying (laughs) (laughs) why did i bring him up i don't know 
I just wanted to Oh, it's like the interview. You were saying the interview after you watched it, you were really impressed. Yeah, but I forget what else. I think I just wanted to bring that up. Okay. um, (laughs) I do want to say that I, I also wish... Okay, so the ending, there's like this whole scene where obviously she's killed some people so mm-hmm. pe- some people are after her mm-hmm. and so oh, yeah. she kind of does this like genius home alone type thing <laughs> where she's able to watch these dudes break into her house mm-hmm. and she's already prepared to like pretty much commit arson to yeah. kill them <laughs> and i i think like, if there were more moments of that, of the other killings, like, if she's really methodical about it and, like, planned shit, like, this came out of nowhere for me. Because I was like, she was just gunning people down left and right. Like, yeah. and now all of a sudden, like, she has a plan and she, like, set up some shit so that her house, like, catches on fire conveniently from the outside. Like, that's some boss ass shit but like it just was like where'd this come from like yeah and as a true crime fan i was just like there's no way no one would be like okay but how conveniently your house catch on fire and there were three dudes in there looking for you that's just that's suspicious well i think she knew that they were gonna come to their to her house at some point right so she like that's why she booby traps it and knows okay I'm just saying, like, as if I was a detective, I'd be like, okay, what's oh god, yeah, from that true crime, yeah, yeah, like three goons come to your house. That's the reason why that lead detective is kind of like, we need to have a chat, yeah. Um, And like he was suspicious of her before that, but he was, yes, over the edge, I guess. Like I can't overlook this, like absolutely. But he did. So bad detective. <laughs> bad detective. And he just was like, all right, I guess I'll believe you and these room full of grieving mothers. And girl got away with murder. And it's bad, too, because, like, the whole time he's just like, no, I know that this isn't, like, what what you're, like, the other detective was saying. Like, I know that this is something else. This isn't just gang drug related stuff. Yeah. Like, there's someone doing this. And he is just is suspicious of her but like to just drop it is just like you could have been dropped this shit and she could have been got away with this like but you yeah i don't know <laughs> but yeah i wasn't mad though at the moms at the end like that could have been really cheesy and corny but mm-hmm. i think they did it in a really well done way that i was just like that's right get the fuck out of our group grief group oh yeah yeah i'm not mad about them sticking up for her because again this is like women support women it's a true writer die like a lady ride or die film but um just the convenience for that cop to be like okay and like walk away because part of me bria part of me bria thinks that he left that day still knowing what his hunch was and still being like i still think she did it but like i'm just gonna drop it at this oh point. yeah he knew she did it it wasn't even really a matter of like trying to get her to confess or something it was like i know you did this shit and you're coming with me and you know like mm-hmm. but i i kind of now that you said that you think it could have been more interesting if it ended like with her and prison and you know reflecting on her 
depression and grief and mental illness and stuff. I agree because I feel like we don't see that enough, you know, mm-hmm. and how these things impact the people left behind. And that would have been an interesting narrative to tell too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, I'm picturing like Orange is the New Black, like when they have those really good episodes of when you see why the women <sighs> when, get there. Yes. Oh my God. The background stories for all of those women and how it was like so justified. Yeah. <sighs> Again, swift kick to the dick. <laughs> I'm looking the other way. So yeah, like I, I think that because like if you say it ending like that, then there's a, there can be a sense of like it's not Obviously, it's not a happy ending where she gets to move with her son and start over and, you know, try to leave some stuff behind. But at the same time, like, I feel like it's a fulfilling ending, you know, in a way that, yeah, it's not great that she's in jail. But at the same time, she's dealing with the stuff instead of, like, brushing it under the rug and stuff. Because it's not like we saw her, like, be like, you know what? I need to go to therapy or something like that. Like, she's just like, we need to move. We don't have a house. And we're out of here. And yep. and we yep. have this nice new VW. And, <laughs> and like, <laughs> girlfriend put her makeup on and um was out of there. And it's just, like, that's, like, almost too perfect, you know? Yeah. And that's not how life works. I don't know. It wasn't a bad... I don't think it's a terrible ending. Like, it's better than Angel Eyes. (laughs) Oh, my God. The freeze frame. I can't. (laughs) But, like, yeah. I think I like your ending better. Like, it just... I feel like it adds more soul to the movie in some way. Yeah. Well, thanks. I don't know. You're welcome. (laughs) Any over, let's see if, yes, I think you had brought up that if this movie was remade today, like, would you go see it? Yeah. I wouldn't change much about the cast, honestly. I still would see this movie if it starred 2021 Viola Davis and Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, same. I think with the clout that both of them have, I don't know if they would pick up a role like this again. Maybe Jen- maybe Jennifer Lopez will. I don't know what Viola Davis would do if she's a little bit more, like, choosy and picky with her roles. Not to say that Jennifer Lopez can't be choosy yeah. and picky because she is, but I don't know. I don't know if them now would do a film like this, but I would still definitely see it. I don't know because I did kind of skim Viola's IMDb because she's on my roll call list Mm -hmm. um and lately she's definitely like in those serious dramatic like award chasing roles you know Mm -hmm. like in jennifer lopez as we have come to discover has like i don't want to say peaks and valleys but she has like these these main streets and alleyways Mm -hmm. and her main street is all about the romantic comedy like mm-hmm. that is her bread and butter. I'm gonna get these couple millions off this movie, and maybe it'll do good, baby. And it won't, but there's a big budget there, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get some bread. Let's get this bread. And then there's some alleyways of like, I want to do a really interesting movie that might not just get made by a big 
studio a la a boy next door a la this movie Mm -hmm. and it's small budget but it's interesting and i can kind of stretch a little bit something i haven't done but it's not going to be like something that you know i'm going on like she didn't do any promo really for this movie besides the et interview with her and viola but um but yeah like the small little indie passion projects that occasionally she has and it's like i don't know what fuels that maybe just a desire to do that kind of stuff but um but I think Viola Davis is very much like, I have arrived. I'm this extraordinary actress. People know I am. And I'm going to play the fuck out of all these roles that are amazing. Yeah. And I don't think J-Lo gets those opportunities. And I wish she did. But... Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, people treated her in the same way. I have a theory. <laughs> and I, yes. I was thinking about this. Because... um. Because I'm excited about her future movies, but she has two rom-coms coming and she has The Mother, which seems like this really interesting, like, action, maybe thriller movie. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I was like, after, what was it? I was just thinking and I was like, after this movie, she should have went dramatic. Like, she should have stayed in that lane. Because I think mm-hmm. she's she's pretty good there. And I think if she stayed in that lane, she could have really gotten even better. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, again, the commercial success of things like The Wedding Planner and Made in Manhattan. Like, it's, it's like, a, it's a choice I feel like some actors have to make. Mm-hmm. Like, do I want the nice big commercial career? Or do I want to, like, do some shit? that's like interesting could be commercially great because it's just like really really good acting because people Mm -hmm. love that shit too they love oscar movies and stuff sure do and i think the big thing my big theory with jennifer lopez is that she has too much dip on her chip when it comes to acting because she's a whole pop star like she's a whole package when she like think about it after out of sight is like when people are like, oh shit, she can act. Like, mm-hmm. she's in, this is impressive. She went commercial and she got an album deal or got mm-hmm. a record deal. Mm-hmm. And I feel like to be a serious dramatic actor, like, you have to have time to do that. And I think that maybe memorizing a romantic comedy script's a little easier than having to deep dive and get into like this really meaty role for something and to like study and learn an accent and yeah. do it convincingly because i know we've talked about her accent before or change your appearance Ch- yeah not necessarily yeah like body manipulation but yeah changing her appearance whether it's like hair putting on weight or losing weight or doing something dramatic with her hair or doing something like Charlize theron did and monster like just like yeah. really uglying her up I don't know if I could see her doing but that. You can't but I do wish that if you're a pop star too. You, exactly, you can't do that when you're a pop star. When you're doing American Idol, when you're like doing these like cover photo shoots, when you have you know clothing and skincare lines that you're also modeling for. I totally agree with you there. So that's my theory as to why J Lo didn't necessarily go that route with acting, hmm. and that's why I think she's like pretty 
just consistent. And do you think that there's, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Do you think there's something in her contract as a singer and performer that had like things that stopped her from maybe taking on certain roles? Like she could only do certain kinds of movies and like X amount of movies a year? Uh, I don't know. I doubt it. Like, because I feel like part of the appeal of, like, I've said this in the music ones, and this whole rant might get cut, but, like, I've said this, that, like, people say, like, oh, well, she's an industry plant. Uh Yes, she is, because she's a viable movie star. Like, people saw the potential in her from Selena. Like, they're like, Uh okay, we could get some decent songs for her. She's already a dancer. She's pretty. Like, there's not much more we need to do here. And so I feel like it's not a liability in terms of having her act with the music part. Mm-hmm. I do think that for her image, she might have been conscious of the movies she chose to do in terms of how it played with acting and music. Because you can't you can't do something like Charlie Theron in Monster and and then be like because i'm real <laughs> like you can't do that like maybe so you could true. but like that would have been a hard that's sell a lot to balance and juggle yeah that's 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 kind of a hard sell and like think about too like other actors who or like not actors but like we talked about like how so many black rappers singers have ventured into acting and have been pretty successful but my big caveat is the music suffers for them. Like, Will mm. Smith hasn't made a rap album in how long? Like, and it's not that he was a bad rapper. He was, like, a very specific kind of rap and very commercial, very kind of friendly, fun rap. But It was like, family. It was family friendly. Yeah. But, I mean, like, everyone loves the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air of course. song. Of course. I love his album Big Bully Style. But in, when he came back with that Switch song... That was everywhere when I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he also has to be like he's not the type of not that not that those rappers can't be successful actors, but he's not also not the type of rapper who is like, fuck these bitches, I'ma kill these, like, you know. Right, <laughs> so, right, right. And like, even though those rappers can be successful in acting, they also usually typically start out playing similar to their rap persona, you mm, know, mm-hmm. like a DMX. He's like the tough guy in the action movies, like, you know, with Jet Li. Mm-hmm. He's not some teddy bear, like, dad, single father with, like, three daughters, like, a daddy's girl type movie or something. You know, he's, like, you know. Leave, he's- leave that to Ice Cube and, like, Are We There Yet, right? Like, that whole family series. But even that took a while for it Ice Cube. It took a while. You're he had right. to do You're Friday right. and he had to do Barbershop. He, he evolved. And he wasn't rapping like he was by the time he did that. True, true. Like, he still His makes albums and stuff. Changed. Yeah, he still makes albums and stuff, but it's not like at it's not popular at the forefront like it was when he was in NWA NWA and when he left NWA. Like it took a while like for his rap career or his acting to her career and persona to surpass his rap career where like for like I didn't even know Ice Cube dropped an album. Mm-hmm. I know he dropped a movie though. Mm-hmm. So same with like Queen Latifah. Mm-hmm. 
she sings but i mean in that too she switched from rapping to singing mostly not that she can't hit them lyrics still but i mean as an actress it's more it's kind of more viable if i sing a make a jazz album than if i make a rap album right right because that jazz album's going to match the jazz album that goes with um chicago, chicago and oh Bess- i know what you're bessie about. smith yes yes but that's my long-winded speech <laughs> about actors slash uh, musicians but it's a fine line to to walk you know and on that note i'm gonna stop ranting about this all right it's just like a revolution like the word was spoken to me and i just had to get it out it's like i'm glad you did and i don't think because honestly we're doing fine timing wise we're less than we're under two hours still so (laughs) i like how that's impressive (laughs) well yeah for our other stuff but i know like you know we're trying to get a little bit more in sync or succinct or extinct or <laughs> piccolo pete whatever we want to say so on that note bria do we uh should we want to wrap up i think so i don't know what else to say <laughs> yeah i think like, i think we hit it we changed what we wanted to change we 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 aired out our grievances but we yes. both agree that like this film wasn't bad it just could use some tlc All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And to the people who stuck with us so far, please come back for another episode of the Great Value version of Inside the Actors Studio. That's right. And seriously, though, if you do like us enough to stick around, take another deep dive down this IMDb rabbit hole with us as we watch another animated movie next week, Home with Bad Girl Riri. That's going to be interesting. (laughs) I'm excited. And on that note, if you've got nothing better to do, go figure out a theme to watch a bunch of movies you've never seen. I'm your host, Simone, and please subscribe to this blessed mess and leave us a like if you are into it. Not if you're into this. Into it. Leave us a fucking like, okay? God damn it. Just please leave us a like. It really helps. We want to quit our daytime jobs. (laughs) I wish. I wish. Especially since I'm like back now. (laughs) The struggle is real, okay? I have podcast stickers all over anything I can at work. Not really, but close enough. (laughs) I want it to feel like summer break every day. (laughs) Right? Oh, man. All right. Anyways, I'm your host, Bria. And it would be awesome for you to wipe off those buttery popcorn fingers and give us a review so I can get a notification while I'm at my day job and I can get a little joy and serotonin inserted into my life under Straight these head. fluorescent lights. Um, and if you'd like, also follow us at Roll Call Pod on Instagram, TikTok, and my favorite Twitter so I can also get notifications while I'm at work. <laughs> just kidding if anybody at work listens to this i'm just kidding um i only answer that stuff on my breaks and this has been another episode of roll call and cut <laughs>